Welcome to Comic Book Herald's Cree Annotators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald, and I'll be interviewing some of my favorite creators in comics about specific runs, graphic novels, or series, looking for their insights on inspirations behind the work and ideas or potential hidden material readers may have missed. Today, I'm excited to welcome Tyler Boss, the artist of Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, one of my favorite comics to recommend to comics-curious readers, and the current number 54 on the best comics of all time list, which might not sound that impressive, but it's an extensive list and 54 is very high. I just want to be clear about that. So Four Kids Walk Into a Bank is a torrid tale of child crime and one of the funniest and most impressive works of the last five years. Tyler, thank you for joining me. And uh, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Dave. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I wanted to kick things off. We're going to talk hopefully in a little bit of depth about the the four kids walk into a bank five issues and your work on it i did also want to touch on you know kind of your comics career um some other work you've done for example on lazarus mm -hmm. and uh your upcoming work on dead dog's bite a creator owned if i'm not mistaken there um written and drawn by yourself series that will be coming out in the nearest future hopefully yes. so so we'll get to all that but first off what inspired uh, this particular work, The Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, and kind of how did you arrive at the project? Um, so the, my co-creator with it, Matthew Rosenberg, we both worked mm -hmm. at a comic book shop, Forbidden Planet, in uh, New York City together. And, you know, I was uh, going to school at the time at the School of Visual Arts, and, and Matt had sort of just decided to transition from, he worked in, uh, he had a record label that he ran for a long time and worked in like screen printing, but decided he wanted to be a comic writer. So we both started working there at the same time and we, we, we lived serendipitously weirdly like a block away from each other yeah. um, where he had lived there for years and I just moved there and weirdly got the same block. So it was all this weird serendipity and long story short, we constantly bouncing ideas off of each other about things, story ideas, comic ideas, different things like that. And at one point um, he had an opportunity to pitch Black Mask, which they had just sort of become a publisher and yeah. Matt had been involved with them with Occupy Comics. And from that, he got the chance to pitch. And so he had three different pitches he was working on. And he threw out two of them. And I said, I hate those. Uh, <laughs> and then he threw out a third one. Uh, I didn't hate them. I just didn't think I'd be a good fit. And then he said, <laughs> sure. he said, he said, well, I have this other one. And it's about, it's about children who rob a bank. And I said, yeah, cool. I'll do that one. Uh, <laughs> which, without even really saying, he, he wasn't even asking me to do them yet. But I was like, no, no, no. I, I'll be good at that one. Um, so yeah, he sort of just had this idea of he wanted to do a story about children, um, who were, you know, ostensibly seem smarter than the adults, uh, yeah. in, in the world. And that's sort of where we, we started crafting it. Awesome. That's very cool. I, I do want to ask too, so you met, uh, working at a comic book shop mm -hmm. as a creator, uh, what, what, if anything, did you kind of learn about the the medium or the business side of things working at a shop? Um, or was it just a, a kind of a gig as you were you know, working on things on the side? Uh, no, it was definitely a very intentional job to learn about the that side of the business. I, I feel like it's good for any creator or somebody who wants to be a creator. Maybe, maybe you don't have to work at a shop, but at least go into a bunch of different shops and see how they run, see how they lay out their shelves, um, understand like what the direct market side of it is because how you know a big thing that me and matt did and four kids wasn't huge you know it's still very much like i guess an indie darling it's a it was that fair i don't critically acclaimed and respected for sure yeah, yeah yeah but it's not as though like it's not a, if you say the title it's not like everybody knows it 
Um, and so, the, but the reason why we were able to get into so many shops is because we, we did a lot of retailer outreach and, and talked to retailers about, you know, what they need. Um, you know, uh, I did a thing in Portland called, uh, what is it? Um, oh, geez, I'm blanking on the name now. It's the retailer summit, the diamond retailer summit. And this uh-huh. past February I did, I, me and Matt went and actually I had preview copies of the first issue of Dead Dogs and I had a, uh, one retailer, uh, scold me because I put the title at the bottom of the book instead of the top and there's different things you learn um talking to different shop owners and 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 working in different shops just industry trends you see between uh how what you know certain months you notice on the racks that every single cover was predominantly red um just different things like that so you you really it's kind of invaluable uh i think because you know i was i was going to school learning about comics and then when i was done with school i would immediately go and work in the comic book shop and then I ride, you know, my commute home with the guy that ultimately would be my, you know, lifetime collaborator, and we'd be talking story and different things. So for me, it was completely invaluable. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned going to school during this. One thing I, I was reading some interviews with you prior to this, and one thing I found interesting is you were you were kind of in the process. It sounds like of building four kids, kind of as you were finishing school. Um, like mm-hmm. your first, if I'm not mistaken, and, and you definitely tell me if I am like your first issue was kind of your, your final thesis, if you will, um, in school. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it was, uh, for the, yeah, it was my, it was my, the first full issue that I did for that. We ended up redraw, like I did a, a redraw of it. Like, if you think about like, I, I remastered it, um, yeah. essentially like a year yeah. or two later, um, but the storytelling was all the same. It was just, you know, trying to level up the drawings, the, the look of the art, um, when we officially got it picked up, but yeah, I, I did that. And that's also a cheeky way. I think of me and Rosenberg saying that, uh, you know, it was edited by David Mazzucchelli because yeah. he, he was yeah, my that's teacher. So cool. Uh, but it's not totally true. It's a little cheeky to say that. <laughs> well, and you had, uh, also Klaus Jansen as a, as a teacher at the same school, right? So I did. Yeah. Not that year. I had him my second year, but I, I had a pretty close relationship with Klaus. I would, I was his assistant for a year ish in there. I'd kind of go over and and help him with computer stuff. (laughs) Very interesting. Uh, were you a huge fan of those guys? Kind of like, are you like, have you been a comics fan kind of all your life or did, did your artistic influences come from, a wider range or like what are where um where do those particular like oh for sure kind I mean, of icon stand yeah i mean i've been a comic fan my whole life so i i yeah. went to sva specifically because of klaus and david um and i i came in as very much sort of like a superhero kind of guy like very mainstream and then immediately upon getting there fell very heavily into the indie stuff yeah um and that came with having teachers like gary panner and david sandlin and um uh, Nick Bertozzi um, and those guys. And so just in the more alternative uh, side of comics. And so then I, my influence now range across all comics, although I will admit I have a um, very small knowledge of manga and, and Japanese comics. Um, sure. But then I'm also just like, and I think it's pretty clear in four kids, you can see that me and Matt are both also huge movie fans. Um, yeah. And so you see, you, you see a lot of, you know, I'm doing a lot of like Paul Thomas Anderson, Igmar Bergman type close-ups and, and different mm-hmm. sort of weird stuff like that. Or like, there's a couple of Hitchcock tricks that we, we threw in there for like tension stuff. And so it ranged, it's a lot of movies and comics um, is where all that stuff comes from. But 
uh yeah i think i answered the question <laughs> yeah totally no that makes sense uh so i do want to touch on that then so four kids is is consistently full of really fantastic jokes and one thing i noticed in this book is it, it definitely requires more, I think, on your part, on the art side, to sell the comedy, you know, in a way mm -hmm. that, for example, like, you know, superhero comics, they don't have to do this as often. Sure. How do you find yourself, like, designing scenes to reflect the tone? Or, it, like, what is the process of, I don't know, studying body language or, or anatomy even in terms of selling comedy on the page? Because, like you said, it's, you know, a lot of these jokes you could see playing fantastically in TV or movies and selling mm -hmm. them in comics is obviously different. So what is that? Um, what is that like for you? Um, it's all so one huge benefit of being good friends with Matt is that when I read his scripts, I know how he's telling the joke. Like I don't yeah. need like I have his voice in my head. So I know how the joke is supposed to be or, or if I was with him, how he would say it to me. And so from there, I can either you know, uh, tweak the joke or, or try and improve upon it. But uh, doing comedy in comics just requires a high panel count because um, mm -hmm. you need to have setups and reactions and different things. And, you, you know, you can kind of look at it like a Sunday strip, right? Where a Sunday strip is one gag, essentially. And so if we're doing multiple gags on a page, that's why sometimes we're ending up with 64 panels in a spread or, uh, yeah. you know, a minimum 12 panels per page. Um, and I like working at a high panel count anyways, uh, because I think... Uh, it just gives the reader more. And I think each page lands better because you want the page to be its own unit, its own standalone thing. Sure. Um, but something that I, people kind of raise their eyebrows at me when I say this, but I, I really took it from um, sitcom uh, sort of staging. So mm -hmm. like you think like Seinfeld or, or any of those types of shows where it's, a, you know, it's a set and we have one camera and we're shooting dead on. And yeah. so a lot of the comedy in four kids and you see it too. in like, you know, people like to compare like Wes Anderson movies or something, but you can do a lot of those deadpan weird comedies with what people would maybe consider a boring shot or an ugly shot. And so what you do is you, you want to keep it flat and static, but then have the characters really be acting. Um, hmm. And, and then adding in the high panel count. Um, so it's all this weird math equation that we're doing. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I was going to ask about the high panel count because it is it definitely stands out, I think, from, you mm -hmm. know, a like many, many even indie comics, you know, we're looking at like 10 to 20 plus panels on a page sometime. Um, is, is that something? So as you're doing, I guess, is that like comedy dialogue specific or you kind of mentioned that being a preference? Is that is that just a design choice that you find yourself gravitating towards when you're laying out a page? Uh, yeah, I definitely always add panels i like when yeah. i get a script from matt or if i'm doing it myself like very rarely will a page be four panels um you know and we'll do the four panel page when it's we need the, the big splash we need the the big moments so you need the big shot but i just prefer high panel count um mm -hmm. personally especially like a lot of the people that influence that i come from uh in the indie market um or the alternative market are, are high panel count people. And that's just sort of seeped into my preference of storytelling. I yeah. think you can just do more. Um, a, a problem I have with not a problem, but it's just my preference. Like sometimes I'm reading uh, a superhero comic or something and it's, you know, it's four wide panels on 22 pages all the way through. Right. Um, and it's just the, you, you end up with this weird thing where it's, you know, you have the one action of what the character is doing and then you have 30 balloons to try and explain like yeah. the story or sell a joke or a piece of dialogue. And for me, I just don't think it reads. I think you're asking the reader to do too much. I mm -hmm. think you're, you're sort of giving them a storyboard as opposed to a comic. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just my personal preference. Uh, 
you know, I, there's people who do it beautifully. I think um, Jupiter's, is it Legacy or is whatever one that um, Frank quietly drew with Mark Millar. Um, he does a lot of the four panel wide shots and it works great. Um, but that's also just because Frank's a genius. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, the good ones have a, a way of making it seem easy sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. Just no, I, I think the the multi-panel layout <laughs> works works extremely well in four kids. There are several pages or design choices that that really stand out to me. I think throughout the book, um, for example, like the way you lay out pages, covert computer hacking is <laughs> is really captivating. You know, it's 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 clearly a very unique process. When how how and when do you decide to like go for broke? On a, um, on a design like that you know what i mean because it, yeah. it really stands out in a way that i'm like oh this is amazing this is a screenshot you know yeah um, compared mean, to normal you know comics layout it's definitely you know there's a thing there was a thing that comes from work you know having been taught by mazi kelly which is he he's very big on you don't need, it's, it's a comic book you're drawing it it doesn't need you're not drawing a movie like you can do different things in this medium that you can't do other places yeah. And so any opportunity i have where i can go with a diagram or i can go with you know, something like that, which is a mix of diagram and then also story intercuts and trying to follow. And I think you can see a bit of the Chris Ware influence in there where there's yeah. the, the, you're not needing to fill up the full real estate of the page, but using the real estate of the page to create the best design you can. It's also weird opportunities too, where it's like Matt, the script page for that is Matt's like, here's what happens or needs to happen. Essentially like page, page is going to hack a computer and she needs to come up with these things. And then, uh, you know, her dad and her uncle are going to be having an argument in the background. And, and he's like, but do one of your weird, crazy things to make it work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and cause it's a thing where it's, how do you sell a cool computer hacking scene in a comic? You, you can't do it in the same way as in a, in a movie or something like that. And so I think the medium kind of gives you the answer. It's sort of a thing where it's mm -hmm. like people who teach themselves Photoshop or something like that. Like the tools are all there. You just need to figure out how to plug them in. Very cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, because that's that tension is still there in the scene of the bar downloading, right? And mm. and the progress very taking slowly, but you don't have, you know, those like the the tension of the music, right? Or yeah. the tension of Paige looking over her shoulder, you know, in in movies. So yeah, I, I think it works very effectively. I did actually write down it, it brings to mind some of Chris Ware or David Ajaz pieces, breaking down action into like smaller components. Mm. Um, you know, just like like really highlighting individual elements on the page as as the action is unfolding essentially i think works really well there's also there's a sequence in issue two the same issue where Paige's dad picks her up from the police station and mm -hmm. the there's a two page car ride essentially where yeah. the the page inverts i don't again i'm talking about a book you you worked on a few years ago so forgive me if i'm going too in the weeds but no i i mean it's it's probably you poured your heart and soul to this or maybe you're like yeah totally <laughs> yeah no, i remember exactly it, it, it is an inverted page for the sake it, of the joke yeah it's such a cool like it, it's such a cool way of delivering that scene and that dialogue um it, in in a very i don't know almost small way like it's easy to, to blink and miss it you know mm -hmm. um I, I guess for you does that actually is that a part of, I guess you just said, like selling the joke? Um, or is that just you having kind of fun with like, I want to I want to try some stuff and I want to make it, you know, for the people that are really paying attention, like here's a little extra. Yeah, no, it's, it's all that stuff. And it's a thing too where it's like, okay, I know this is going to be a spread. So when the reader opens the page, they're going to see both of them. And yeah. so we, and, and I, I could break the dialogue down a little bit so that we, if I do the invert, I'm adding panels so that we get each piece of dialogue is a little bit more of a beat. 
but then also we need to we have the setup of the joke which is the kid in the backseat of the car and then we never address it until the last panel which yeah. is ostensibly the same um and I, there's also a thing too where it's like oh i got a panel here at the top that i can do something fun with so like the first panel of that double page spread if you look at it is actually a, a an edward hopper painting um hmm. yeah from uh, and then we you know we superimpose our stuff in it and there's a bunch of weird art history references in there that i there's a couple that mean something and a couple that are just fun um <laughs> yeah and so like it's uh there's a lot of those games in there too that's awesome i love that stuff is uh i, I have to ask too is um the opening to issue number five uh watchman riff do you know where it's uh I guess, well, definitely you would know, <laughs> but it's like it opens with a yellow clock and it's a nine panel grid and yeah. uh, it's it's like Matt, clearly color coded. Yeah. Matt, Matt wrote that one in the script. Yeah. He went, we're having a clock. It's clearly a re- in a nine panel grid. It's clearly a reference to something, but God knows what that is. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that, that was one that Matt, uh, that's whole cloth him. Uh, there's also a couple of weird other Easter eggs in that one, too. Like, I think the principal's name is uh, the current writer of Batman. Yes. Um, and, <laughs> yes, I did pick that up. Yeah, and we decided that uh, we'd out James as being a big clown fan by putting as many different clown things in the principal's office as possible, which is not a thing that James <laughs> actually is, but just thought it, maybe we can create a weird conspiracy that people would start bringing James, I don't know, clown-themed things at uh, cons, and he would have no idea why. I mean, there is a uh, there is a Joker war coming in the pages of Batman, so you True. may have you may have been onto something there. True, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, let me ask, what parts of Four Kids were the most fun to work on? Like, what do you what do you relish about the experience? Um, I I love that book. Working on that book, I the, you know there were some pages that are hard and, and agonizing um, that really shouldn't be. Probably, ugh, I don't even know. Each issue was my favorite issue as I was working on it. With, yeah. and it was such a joy of like trying to, you know, by the time we had, we had issue one was probably the hardest, even though we were just having fun and didn't know if anything was going to come of it. And then each subsequent issue, we were just trying to put everything we could into it. Um, and that, I don't know, it was just really re- rewarding. Um, you know, the, the hardest part about it is penciling always just trying yeah. to get the figures to look decent and things like that. But the storytelling is my, the whole way through is just my favorite part of, of doing it and, and, and coming up with, you know, how are we going to tell this? Uh, I don't know. I love all that. Nice. I did wonder too about how much of the sort of the chronology, like when this is set is you deciding on, on clothing design um, and like what buildings look like and what kind of equipment they're using as you're going um, and how much of that is like a conversation and a collaboration uh, with Matthew. Um, me and Matt, are, I would say are a full 50, 50 split on collaboration. I think he'd agree. So, you know, there is stuff as far as like Matt will be like, you know, it's a suburban road with a mailbox or something and and but then it comes through me and it's so it's my version of that and so it looks like uh buffalo which is where i grew up so everything has this very buffalo thing you know there's stuff where matt and me both very pointedly were like this takes place in a a sort of no time you know it's it's um Mm. we got the idea sort of from the movie it follows which Mm. kind of exists in the 70s but also maybe the 80s but also maybe right now um and so we sort of try to do that where we try to create our own little you know it's realism but it's it's not everything's so there's you know there's 70s and 80s and 90s 
and current time all sort of wrapped up in it. Um, one thing Matt likes to bring up sometimes when we're talking about it is like, for instance, like uh, when the kids, I think it's an issue too, are riding their bikes to the, the bad guy's house. Uh, yeah. Walter, I put him in a hockey helmet, uh, like a caged hockey helmet that kids would wear in peewee. And that's just mm-hmm. the thing that kids used to do where I grew up because everybody in Buffalo loves hockey. And uh-huh. that's the helmet that they had. And Matt like texted me. He's like, what the fuck is this? Sorry, I don't know if I can swear. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry my no, you're fine. Uh, so I'll, I'll try not to swear. Um, and I was like, oh, that's he's like, you didn't have that. And he's like, no, I grew up in New York City. Nobody wore hockey helmets on their bikes. Um, so that's funny. Yeah, I thought weird. that was just a, a weird Walter quirk where it was yeah, like he, I, he needed the extra protection. Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he needs it for his glasses. But uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I mean, like, you know, not everybody would. I don't know. So that was just... Um, and then that came back later when we did the trade and I came up with this idea of how we should do the opening of the trade credits. And I was like, oh, well, we already have the hockey helmet. So let's have Paige and uh, Stretch be on Peewee or Squirt. <laughs> right. I guess they'd be on Squirt at that level. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, all right, cool. So a final for kids question specifically mm-hmm. before we go to some broader stuff. Um, the book ends fairly abruptly with a, a surprising time jump epilogue. Uh, what, are the, what are the chances of a sequel? Um, and if you can't answer that, what um how much did you and matt talk about potentially i guess continuing the collaboration into the future um there will there will never be a sequel uh the the, the book the book is the book that's all it is um we will never do it (laughs) uh i know some people would like that but we really you know stories have to end as much as we love like superhero comics that go on forever and and things like that We're, we're big proponents of stories you know, curtain comes up, you meet a character, curtain comes down, the character's changed, and hopefully you, the reader, are too. Um, and so, you know, we've toyed with the idea of, and when I say we, I say I, I wanted to do a, a sort of prequel one-shot issue for, like, free comic book day or, like, a, something, and do a Christmas backslash Hanukkah, Kwanzaa sort of holiday issue. Mm-hmm. That's just, like, one tiny, like, 60-page or 40-page adventure um, so that's something we may do. It's it's something he doesn't seem too keen on, um, but I think it would be really fun to do that and sort of have it be like a free comic book day thing. Yeah. Um, and and just as like a thank you to everybody who supported the book and 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 loved the book to give them just like one little small, you know, uh, thing. The reference I always use too. I was like, we should do the Star Wars holiday special, and Matt's like, that's terrible. And I was like, I know but it'll be really fun. Um, like it would, it's, that's why I want to do it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's the book's the book. And, you know, each we're we have a book we're working on that sort of, um, there's nods back to four kids in it and it's sort of a spiritual sequel, but each book we do, um, has an ending. We, we always, there's, we know what the ending is before we even start. Cause that's actually how we work. We start with the end and then we work backwards. Yeah. All right. Very cool. No, I think that's totally fair. I think it it 100% stands on its own. So yeah, I think as a fan, it's like on one hand, you always want more of the stuff Mm -hmm. that you like, but that that definitely the way culture just keeps churning out the the same content, it is nice to hear like, no, that good thing ended and it's going to stay good. (laughs) And that can be enough sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Uh, Are there any are there any elements of the book, um, even if it's like specific little gags you put in that you don't see people talking about that you kind of like either you just think are fun or wish people had noticed um i can't people were pretty good about picking up on all the gags and sometimes they picked up on gags that matt wrote in that i didn't even notice (laughs) (laughs) nice 
But like, no, I don't think I'm gonna pull the book out and flip through it for a second. But people really yeah. seem to get it um, for the most part. I mean, I don't think uh, I don't. I I feel like like even people even got like a George Bellows reference I made, which is crazy. Um, sure. Yeah. Which is uh, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It seemed. I feel like uh, yeah, the only thing um, I think is interesting is uh, some people seem to be there's a i wouldn't call it a controversy but there's a conversation around what happens to burger at the end of the book about you know whether why he's not back at the he's not there right he's not there at the end um but um you know i'm not gonna say anything either way uh, about it on the podcast just in case somebody hasn't read the book and then they listen to this and want to read it yeah um but you know there's there's that's one thing that i thought was interesting because i thought we made it pretty clear um hmm. but maybe not Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, I actually hadn't really considered that as a controversy now that you mention it, but now I'm kind of curious. It's got that kind of fade to black. What do I, what do I make of things vibe yeah. to it? I suppose. Um, Burger's such a fantastic character too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one thing, one thing to note is all of the bad guys and are named after Rosenberg's childhood friends. Uh, and then Berger is named after one of his childhood friends as well. And there was this weird moment where I didn't know that. And I was in mm -hmm. LA with Matthew and we were staying at Matt Hayes, who's one of the characters, uh, but was also a real person. We were staying at his house. We apparently were going to go out to dinner. We wanted to barbecue. And I was sitting mm -hmm. at this table with them and I was looking around and everybody was introducing themselves. And I didn't realize like I was having dinner with all of the bad guys <laughs> in the book that I was drawing. Yeah. Um, and it was very weird. <laughs> Like, am I about to rob a bank? What is, yeah. what is going on <laughs> was this, here? Was this the real setup all along? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask a little bit too. As you were working on this, you you and you can correct me on the chronology here, but um, you've done work inking and coloring Lazarus and working mm -hmm. pretty closely with Michael Lark, uh, the artist. What what have you taken from that experience? Because you've been on the book for a, a good run now, and I guess in addition to the experience there, like how do you? How do you differentiate like work on Lazarus from then keeping your own style and your own sort of distinct vision? Sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so I recently uh, just left Lazarus. So I okay. think my last issue would have been the newest one coming out. Um, Is that the Lazarus remember. Risen mini? Yeah. Number yeah. two, I think was the last one I did, or maybe it was number three, but um, I got that gig. That gigs. I mean, that's another one that I got from working in a comic shop. Um, Danny Lore, who's a, they're a fantastic writer. They just had a book with Vita Ayala come out, um, their first Marvel book, uh, Ironheart. But they also worked at Forbidden Planet, and they mm -hmm. are huge Greg Rucka fans, and they, so thus they were Lazarus fans. And they had seen on Tumblr that Michael was doing an open call for submissions for people to uh, be his background assistant. Um, and so I did it on a whim uh, and got it, um, which was cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. And it was the thing I took most from it was Michael was really patient with me. I like definitely wasn't up to snuff when he took me on. And so he was really patient about, you know, helping me get, get there to sort of be, be on a professional level. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it taught me a lot, like, honestly, like, cause I, I, I only ever inked the backgrounds. Um, and it, it definitely, you know, a thing that I see people comment about on, in my like commission work or in my, my actual work is they, they talk about the, the level of um, architecture or, or d 
attention to detail in the backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not that I have a detailed style, but I think everything isn't random. It's very considered. And, and, and I think that definitely comes from having worked with Michael for geez, I think at that point, I think I worked with them for five years. Yeah. Um, It was weird too, because, you know, when I was younger, I read comics up until I was maybe like 12. And then I was like, okay, I'm into skateboarding and I would like a girlfriend at some point. And Mm -hmm. so I set the comics aside. Um, which was stupid because uh, comics rule, um, but at, <laughs> but a familiar a familiar yeah, path, I think a familiar a story, yeah. yeah. Um, but at like fifteen or sixteen, like uh, after the three year break, I went into a Borders and uh, was walking through the saw that they had graphic novels now, which was not a thing when I was reading comics. I have to used to have to get them. My grandma would buy them for me at flea markets and like yard mm. sales and stuff. Um, and so. I was walking through the racks and really excited to see that there was these nice book volumes of comic books now with complete stories. And I saw one that was Gotham city central. Mm. Uh, and I was like, Oh, that's like a police procedural, but like Batman's kind of in the background and like the style seems really cool. Mm-hmm. And so I got it. And that was what got me back into comics uh, was Gotham city central. So it was, it's funny that my first real professional job was working with the people, Greg and, and Michael who got me back into it. Um, incredibly sweet people. That's no, very cool. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I yeah, I, I actually didn't like. I've read Lazarus, and then I was looking through your bibliography and realized like that whole time that that was a book you were also on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's that, that's awesome. It's the same guy. Um. So yeah, that, that's really cool. You had that that opportunity to to grow there. I do want to talk before we go about your upcoming uh, Dead Dog Bites work from mm-hmm. Dark Horse. Um. How I guess how long has the book been in the works and what can you tell us? Uh, the book's been in the works, honestly, for probably like three years at this point. Um, yeah. It I was sort of half, you, you know, I did scribbled notes while I was working on four kids, just different, like, you know, oh, what if we do this? What if we do this um, as an idea? And um, yeah, so I just gestated on it for a very long time and sort of like I had the ending of the book and knew what I wanted it to be. But from the beginning and then did the thing where, I work backwards to where we should start. Um, but it wasn't until two years ago, a year ago, I guess a year ago at New York comic con, not this past one, but the one before, uh, Brett, mm-hmm. um, at dark horse, he's an editor. He, um, came and asked me, you know, if I had anything to pitch and I was like, well, I have this thing, but you probably don't want it. It's like kind of weird. And, and, and it's a mystery comic and a crime comic. And I know those don't sell. And it, you know, it'd be only me working on it. And Matt's not there. So you probably don't want it. Um, and he was like, no, I came to talk to you Strong because I'd pitch. like you to, yeah. <laughs> you know, you lead, lead with the, you know, lead. it's like when I was in a high school and I, I, I purposely only got C's so that when I got a B mom was real proud. Um, uh, but, uh, I, you know, he, he hassled me enough that I was like, all right, I guess I'll build up this pitch. And I sent it to him and it was approved in like an hour. Um, nice. and then, I, and then I started working on it, um, from there, uh, and, you know, it's uh, it was supposed to come out April 8th. And obviously because of uh, the world right now, it didn't. Um, I don't know when it's coming out. Uh, but, you mm-hmm. know, of the four issues, three are done. Four is slowly being finished. But I'm 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 sort of I'm not at full pace on it because it's it's uh, I need to be doing some other stuff to uh, make make some money while we wait for the book to come out. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's a it's a weird kind of funny kind of sad uh mystery story about a you know a 17 year old uh self-described detective um 
but it's um, a little Twin Peaksy, a little Twilight Zoney, a little um, uh, uh, blanking on the name of the movie. Um, Greta Gerwig, uh, Lady Bird, little Lady Bird in there. Okay, um, yeah. Definitely some Paul Thomas Anderson because I can't seem to get away from it. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. No, it sounds awesome. I'm I'm really looking forward to the book. So I hopefully uh, we can see that first issue in the near future as uh, as the comics machine gets wheels wheels turning again. Um, yeah, the, the world gets turning again here sooner <laughs> rather than later uh, would yeah. be nice. Uh, so let me ask you a question then: With Do- Dead Dog's Bite, uh, how different is the process for you writing and drawing? You know, your own work compared mm-hmm. not that you haven't done stuff in the past but i think if i'm not mistaken like this is your probably your biggest uh like published written and drawn series definitely how how different is that process versus the level of collaboration you are uh you know you have done in the past uh so it kind of informed my process for it so when i decided that i was going to try and write this whole thing i um i made a decision to do full scripts um, mm-hmm. as though I was writing it for a new artist yeah. um, because I thought that'd be a good practice. And if I ever do, you know, there's some, some books that I have ideas for that I maybe can't, I just don't have the bandwidth to draw and, but I would still like to, to create. And so I, I wanted that practice of, okay, can we write full script in a way that, you know, somebody else could take and, and, and draw it? Um, you know, it's a little easier because as, since I'm already an artist or a, a comic, a cartoonist, I, I know, kind of already what I want the page breakdown to be or how it to look. Um, and so uh, when I'm scripting, I, I sort of already have what each panel is going to be and I don't need to play with it too much. But it's fun when I get to the art stage or the coloring stage uh, and I'm penciling and I look at my scripts and, uh, you know, I add things or change things. So it, it's, it's, uh, it speeds things up and it slows things down, but it's, it's, it's an interesting process of, um, uh, doing it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to see what it'd be like if I did it more Marvel style for myself, but yeah. I, I kind of like doing the full scripting. Are you coloring and, and inking and everything too? Yeah. Coloring, inking, lettering, the whole thing. Dang. Whole project. Yeah. The whole thing, which is, uh, whew, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's rewarding, but it is, I'm glad that I gave myself like a year to do four issues and the four issues are longer. They're all like 30 pages. So it's, you're basically getting a five issue series, but, um, I tried to, I thought I'd be smart and only make it four, but unfortunately it's, it's longer. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, did you have anything else that you, uh, have on the horizon or that you wanted to promote before I wrap things up? Uh, there's probably going to be an announcement about something cool, hopefully in the next week or two that, uh, is cryptic and all I can say about it. Um, but besides looking forward that, to that, yeah, that cryptic news. Yeah. So we're recording this, the, on May 22nd, for those of you who are getting that announcement. So looking like the week of, of May 25th or, like uh, that, or the start yeah. of June here, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that should hopefully be cool and hopefully people will be excited about it. Um, and then besides that, uh, you know, look out for whenever, Dead Dogs, we get a new release date for it. And then um, I'm also streaming, drawing, and inking commissions and playing some games with uh, some other cartoonists and uh, friends on Twitch at uh, Boy Cartoonist, which uh, if you're bored, come hang out. We're nice, I think. (laughs) (laughs) A welcoming environment. Good to know. (laughs) All right, very cool. 
Um, thanks so much, Tyler. I appreciate you hopping on for this. And uh, it was a super pleasure to talk to you. You too, Dave. Thanks so much for having me, man.